This evening, I'd like us to turn to Psalm uh, 66 and, and use this psalm as a guide for our prayer tonight. Something to at least structure the way we think, the way we are responding to God in a way that glorifies His name. So I'd like, I'd like to uh, read this uh, portion by portion as we think through it. Uh, let's read Psalm 66, verses 1 through 4. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Give to Him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you. And sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Just that much so far. Visiting with one of our dear saints uh, a week or so ago, and uh, one of them, and she commented to me that uh, to us who were visiting with her, um, loving uh, to loving to consider the Psalms on these Sunday evenings because the Psalms are her words where we live. Where we live. God um, knows our suffering and he provides psalms that help us to respond in a godly way. The psalms are a prayer primer or a prayer guide for young ones like ourselves that really need to know how to pray. And it's not that every prayer would follow the model of this prayer, but we consider it. It is, after all, a God-inspired primer to help us respond to suffering in a godly way. And that's why I've asked us to consider using this as we break it down in four parts tonight, to use it as a way to help us understand even how to pray to the Lord. Look for, we've already read part of it, but look for movement in the Psalms. The first section is a, is a message to all peoples. And then there's a, a larger, a, 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 a center section that is directed to God's people and their response to His salvation. And then finally, the larger chunk of the psalm is the response of an individual. One person who has come to learn something uh, powerful about God and is called to share that with the congregation. Now, it may feel odd, like wearing someone else's clothing to use a psalm like this is the way to structure our prayers, but I, I want to break it down for you, as I said, and after each section, I want to give you a sentence or two that you could use, if not tonight, you could use at another time to help you to know how to pray in accordance with this section of Scripture. Uh, this, it, uh, it, it opens up a call to the whole earth, and then it is a prayer uh, to the, it is a praise to the congregation as they praise God for the salvation that they have in suffering. And then comes down at the verses 13 and following down to one person giving the story of God's grace so that they can share it with others. Okay, first section, verses 1 through 4. And this is a call to everyone uh, that God praise the God of all glory. Praise the God of all glory. And it's really an echo of Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth serve the Lord with 
gladness. It is a call for all to come and to worship and serve the Lord. We see hints of this fulfillment already in many places in, our, in the world. We see it in China as there are presbyteries rising up, having risen up uh, to uh, collect and gather uh, worshipers in those various provinces. Uh, there are many in Africa uh, uh, and also in South America where the, wor- where the Word of God is bearing fruit in greater and greater numbers. Augustine opens up his confessions with a very well-known phrase, and that is, God has made us for himself, and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in him. But I want to read, I want to read the whole paragraph from which that very famous quote is taken, as Augustine catches this sense that the world is made up of worshipers, and God is pursuing them. Great are you, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is your power, and of your wisdom there is no end. Man, being a part of your creation, longs to praise you. He carries his mortality with him, the sign of his sin, the proof that you thwart the proud. Yet man, as part of your creation, still longs to praise you. You arouse us to delight in praising you for you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And God will draw some through our worship here at Faith Church so that those who are made to worship God, may, as they visit with us, say that God is among you and is worthy of worship. Leading us then to verse 2. This describes good worship. Good worship. Sing the glory of His name. Sing the glory of His name. God's names describe His character and we sing of His character, the glory, the weightiness. He is not light. He is not frivolous. He he is weighty. Jehovah Jireh, Abraham would say, God will provide the sacrifice. Ezekiel, at the very end of his book, as he had a vision of the temple, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there, anticipating even this new covenant age where he is with us tonight in this place, far away from that declaration uh, back in the Old Testament. And then look at the second part of verse 2. Not only sing the glory of his name, this is stunning to me. Give him glorious praise. Our praise is to match God's glory. The measure of our praise and our worship is to be the glory of God. And so we shun formalism. We shun going through the motions. Instead, we say, no, our God is awesome. Uh, We are not to be sentimental in our worship. It is meant to stir us, but stir us in and towards God. Our singing is to be exuberant. And not half-hearted. Did you notice exuberance this morning? I did. (laughs) I noticed exuberance. It was a a wonderful thing. It it was not half-hearted. Oh, God, forgive our drift. 
our mental drift in worship. Our confession is to be genuine, not just going through the motions, to be truly humbled and to find forgiveness simply amazing. One day, verse 4, perhaps better translated, is one day in the future all the, all, all the earth will worship you and will sing praises to you. They will sing praises to your name. All the earth will worship and enemies, verse 3, will come but come cringing. So here's, here's a good prayer summary, or this is a good way to pray following this first section, verses 1 through 4. And, and that is this. Pray, um, may our worship be as glorious as you are. May we sense your weight. Be stirred by your beauty and your holiness. Even as we were this morning singing, Behold our God. Let me say this again. May our worship be as glorious as you are. May we sense your weight, your glory, your heaviness, your kavod. May we sense your weight and be stirred by your beauty and your holiness. Well, then there is... In the second section, beginning at verse 5, there is a narrowing from, from let everyone praise you. And now we're thinking about the community of faith. Uh, come and see, verse 5, verses 5 through 7, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into a dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in Him who rules by His might forever, uh, whose, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. This narrowing then is a praise for salvation. And you see the imagery here. Uh, It's clearly a story of Israel's uh, rescue. Uh, There was a liturgy, a liturgy in each home. Um, A liturgy that would be put into place at Passover and other times. But the youngest child in each home, as uh, as they were celebrating the Passover meal, is why, their liturgy, why we celebrate this meal. Trained to say that. So that the Father could give a full answer. Well, God chose us. God marked us with His blood. And an angel of death swept through Egypt, but where there was blood on the doorpost, God passed over. God saved us. The Egyptians pursued us for sure, but God opened up a way through the desert, through, the, through now the Red Sea, as if it were dry, as, as dry land. God saved us. He rescued us through this, through this experience. I wonder, I wonder if the children got weary of the story. I wonder. I don't know that they would have. What an amazing thing that our fathers have gone through. My kids get tired of my stories that I repeat. I know that. But could they have gotten tired of hearing this one? Well, how about for us? We are called to practice the Lord's Supper. And Jesus said, proclaim His death until He comes. This is, this is the center of our worship. Proclaim His death until He comes. And so we tell each other 
and we sing to each other that story week after week after week. The same old story we tell each other week after week. But how does that story stay fresh? How does that story stay dramatic? Is that still fresh and awesome for you? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. What amazes me about that story is that He did not give Jesus so that He could love us. He did not give Jesus in order to be able to love us. He gave us Jesus in our rebellion and sin because He loved us already. Never a time when He did not love us. A prayer, perhaps appropriate for this section. We, we, can't, we can't make ourselves think of worship as, often, as awesome. But we can pray. Make more vivid in our hearts a rebellion and pride and Jesus' mercy. Spirit, give us the courage of honest self-assessment so grace amazes. This is, this is when we get sluggish. This is when we're not amazed at God sending Jesus for us. For us. Make vivid in our hearts. Um, make vivid in our hearts our rebellion and pride and Jesus' mercy. Spirit, give us the courage of honest self-assessment so grace amazes us. Well, at the very end of that section, there's a hint of what's to come. God rules by His might. Uh, those who keep watch on the nations, let not the re- rebellious exalt in themselves. God rules by His might. And that opens us up for this third section. And, and it continues with, this, with this, this psalm, this hymn, this prayer of God's people, the corporate people, because we would praise even in our trials and discipline. We praise because we've been saved but we continue to praise even in our trials and in our discipline. And this is verses um, 8 through 12. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of His praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living, who has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet, you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I want you to think, I want you to think this evening, is there ever a time that for you, suffering has been like being caught in a net? Is there ever a time when, when your suffering has felt like you are being caught in a net. That's the first part of verse 11. There are times when we are in the midst of suffering and it is uncomfortable and we want to get out of it. And so we begin to flail against the net. And can you imagine if you are caught in a a big net and you start flailing, is life getting better? (laughs) Or is life getting more claustrophobic? That's what happens to me sometimes that suffering feels claustrophobic, 
hard even sometimes to breathe. And if you fight, it gets worse and worse. You flail and the net tightens. There are two things I want to point out about, about this suffering that God's people are undergoing, we undergo. Two P statements, okay? Help us remember. God's discipline is painful, but it is not punishment. It is painful, but it's not punishment. Have, have you ever been tempted in the midst of suffering to say, God is getting back at me? God is fed up with me getting back at me. Well, that can't be the case because justice smiles and asks no more. Christ bore all our sins that our sins deserve and God has no inclination to punish us any longer. Fatherly discipline is medicine, not punishment. It is correction, not condemnation. It is medicine, not punishment. It is correction, not condemnation. Trusting God to the point, Sarah Edwards was able to say at the death of her husband at a young age, heading down to Princeton and and getting pneumonia and dying, she was able to say uh, at, uh, at Jonathan Edwards' death, she was able to, her words, listen to this, death of her husband, she was able to kiss the rod. Kiss the rod. The providence of God that took her beloved husband from her. She knew. She knew. It is painful, but it is not punishment. And not only that, it is purposeful and not pointless. Look with me at verses 11 and 12 for a moment. You brought us into the net, yes, and then another picture is you laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. Do you see that? You, you let people, in a sense, walk all over us. You allow that to be abused by other people. And here's an amazing statement, my dear friends. Every difficult person God brings into your life is for a purpose. (laughs) Praise God! (laughs) Every difficult person he brings into your life is for a purpose. God, you see, is in charge of their sanctification too. He has them just where he wants them. In part, for you. For your sanctification. Jesus, of course, is our pioneer, our leader. And he walked into that net in Gethsemane. And so, of course, we are willing to follow him into situations that are burdensome and situations that are even feeling like that net because we know that God is testing us, verse 10. He is refining and purifying metal to make it more beautiful. So this is a good prayer request for this section. uh, And that is that we... Would, that is, that um, God would grow us up through suffering. For your glory, beautify me. We can say to God, this is a prayer, grow me up through my suffering. For your glory, beautify me. Sweeten within me joy in you. Sweeten within me joy in you. 
And then the final section, this is verses, the longest section, this won't take long, but getting through from, from verses 13 to 20, there is a final narrowing down to one. And, and that is that we, we are left here, we are led here uh, as, an indiv- as individuals to praise within the congregation. This is a faithful response of a believer whose heart was subdued by discipline. And now verse 16 um, he has a story to tell. She has a story to tell. I must tell you what God has done for me. The person in whom God's discipline has worked is now coming to the point where he or she is able to speak to the congregation, the assembled gathering, or one's own family, whatever it might be, to say, there is a story that I now must tell of what God has done for me. There is an urgency about, come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. Sometimes I think we can be reluctant to share a testimony. It's very personal. And testimonies can sound kind of proud. We can put ourselves in an overly flattering light and take a little bit of credit. But that, of course, is not the, the part of, of, a, of a sound uh, confession or a sound um, um, testimony. But God works in you, for you, partly so that you can share it and encourage other people. This is a model, then. This is what's maybe a little bit uncomfortable for us, but we start in small places whether it's your home or your growth group or something, but be able to share it then in a wider context. Come and hear all of you who fear God, and I will tell you what he's done for me, uh, for my soul. And and then he goes on to say, I I learned something. I cried to him in my suffering. I cried to him with my mouth, and and high praise was on my tongue. I prayed humbly. It was a joyful prayer of faith. You are good after all. I've, I've learned to kiss the rod. Praise God. And then we get to verse 18, and this is, this is now a reflection. We get to verse 18, and we are left with a choice. We always have options in our suffering. And verse 18 offers not a very good one. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had cherished iniquity. We have kids. There are a few kids here tonight. Um, and, and, and children, um, what happens if your parents discipline you and you stay angry? What, what happens? Do you think they, they just pat you on the bottom and give you a nice little kiss and a prayer and send you off and say, blessings, my dear, sweet, compliant child? There's probably a little more discipline that has to happen because you've still got an attitude. Okay? So that's, some of that is going on here. That uh, there's a lesson that if, if you love your sin more than you love God, he won't hear you. Okay, so, so what is the iniquity? Is it the reason for the discipline? Is that what he's saying? If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. That is, if I had held on to whatever sin was causing the discipline then God uh, would not have heard me. I don't think so. There is no necessary connection between the struggles, the difficulties that we deal with and and our sin. 
It's not like there's an automatic sin to confess. I think what is a better way to look at this is that, is that if I had cherished iniquity in my response to God's suffering, if I had held on to iniquity, uh, and if I, if I were simply uh, unbent before God and resistant to God, and if I sulked, or if I vented, or if I allowed vitriol to flow out from me to poison the people around me, well, that's, could, it seems to me that is the iniquity that God is saying, no, that, that response to my discipline is, 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 will, will close off my ability or willingness to listen to you. But verse 19 happily says, but truly God has listened. He has attended uh, to the voice of my prayer. Uh, he has listened as I have turned back to him. Blessed be God, verse 20, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Okay, the prayer then for this final section is praise God for his faithfulness, especially in your suffering. Praise God for his faithfulness, especially in your suffering. Praise God to others because of his work in you. Practice this. Praising God to others. God answered my prayer. God restored my heart. God heard me. Praise God to others because of his work in you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this lovely psalm. Uh, Thank you for the lessons you teach us in it. We pray that our hearts would uh, drive, uh, follow along in the path of this psalm that we would be growing as individuals to, uh, to pray uh, after you the words that you've given to us. And pray that even tonight, as we pray for the needs of the congregation, we'd also be able to think about how we can be encouraging and, and prayerful of, of, um, and, of, as, as we perhaps share stories of how you have blessed us. So we pray your your guidance and your help upon us even as we even as we turn to prayer tonight in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus